Blue Wire. Think about Lawrence. Fires to the end zone. Touchdown! Alabama wins! Elliott dodges the eye of this national championship win. A deep throw by Lawrence. A lot of contact. Justin Ross broke free from it. He's down in the end zone. Touchdown, Clemson. Welcome into episode 138 of Press Pass. Kayla Anderson alongside my co-host Joshua Perry. And we are bringing you what was a crazy weekend in college football. We have only just begun. I think that's actually a song by the Carpenters. You would not know that, Joshua, because you're way too young. There's a, another song. Uh, is there? Just begun. Yeah, I think it's like a Glenn Jones deal or something like that. <laughs> R&B. So we got we got it everywhere. We got it everywhere. But it's really the truth because the past couple of weekends, there has been some interesting things that have happened in college football. To talk about that in terms of last week, we, we'll get to it in a minute. But we had some big news this week as USC decides to go in a different direction. So they have fired their head coach, Clay Helton. And if you do listen to this podcast or you have listened in the past, you know that we have been calling for that for a while. And so I will pose the question to you, Joshua. Was this the right thing at this point? Yeah, it's interesting because uh, it's so early in the season. So I think it takes a, a little bit of guts to mm-hmm. make the call this early. Uh, probably the right thing to do. And I feel like yeah, I know a couple people who are uh, USC alums and donors, actually, mm-hmm. just from my time out in California and met some folks in Newport Beach that are phenomenal. And they've talked about their level of frustration with the lack of success at that program. Yeah. Um, and so I just think based off of that alone, it was probably the right thing to do. If you're USC, mm-hmm. you have to win the matchups you're supposed to win. And it's plain yeah. and simple. Well, look, you, you cannot be embarrassed by Stanford, who might I add, is just not going anywhere at this point. I mean, the, the at pro, all. it's not. It, it's And that's a coaching change. And I feel like in the future, near future, is probably going to be addressed because at one point Stanford was such a big program that did really big things. And their name was They were was playing in there. a Rose Bowl in like 2013 or something like I know. that against Michigan State. Yeah. And we talked about Stanford a lot. And the national media talked about Stanford a lot. And it's just That not was my – that was my safety school. If Ohio State sure, would have had right. coming out of that uh, 2011 yeah. season, and you know they would have had a, a three-year bowl ban or something like that, I was going to head my ass out yep. to Palo Alto and go to Stanford. That's that was a school that recruited well at the time. Like I said, they were in a Rose Bowl in 2013, um, and they were sending guys to the league. Yeah, they, I they mean, were. They had a standard there. Yes. I mean, David Shaw, you can't deny what he's done there. I mean, he's he's done a great job. But I do believe in the staleness that can happen with coaches in For certain sure. programs. And maybe that's just one of those things. But, you know, USC was completely embarrassed by Stanford and good for the Cardinal. Right. But the, that final was 42 to 28. And look, it, they they came into this season again with people saying, OK, this is going to be a better team. OK, they got the quarterback. They're going to be at the top of the Pac-12 or one of the teams at the top. And then you have this sort of a loss early on in the season. And I just kind of think it forced 
their hand because when it comes down to it, Joshua, and I've said this over and over again, for the Pac-12 to get back to relevance, it has to have its top programs consistently be competing. And yes. USC is has not been close to doing that. And right now it just doesn't look like that's happening. And so maybe with a new head coach, that will. Kayla, did you uh, watch college game day at all yes. in uh, week zero and week one? Yes. And they, how much they talked about USC yes. as the program that was their sleeper pick to win the Pac-12 and a program that some people thought could be a sleeper yes. to make the college football playoff this year. <laughs> yes, I, like, rem- I remember that. That, that was the expectation. I mean, people felt good about the quarterback position. They yeah. felt good about the skill positions. Like, this was a conversation that people were having, and it wasn't even under the radar. Folks were saying confidently, like, oh, you know, don't 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 forget about USC. USC. Like, this is going to be the year that they can turn it around, and I, we, you know, this, that, and third. And now here we are. Exactly. I mean, again, Joshua, I don't mean to brag on this podcast, but, I mean, we got two people that – you know, follow a lot of college football. And I feel like a lot of the things we say have come into fruition in the past few months. And just the things have played out this way. And if you follow college football, I don't think it's too surprising to know that Clay Helton, um, you know, at this point needed to go. And it took a loss like that. Real quickly, I'm going to throw out these names that Pete Thamel put out on the early list for USC. So James Franklin in there. Yeah, um, and his name has been attached to that job for a little while now. Right. Uh, Matt Campbell, uh, Luke Fickle's in the mix. You see that? Yeah, I saw that. Somebody actually just texted me. Okay, so I'm going to get your questions. A couple others, Chris Peterson, Bob Stoops. I love how Bob Stoops' name still seems to come yeah. up all the time for these and jobs. Chris well, I mean, too. who's the best fit? And Chris Peterson, well, yes. Um, obviously at Washington and Boise State before that. Yes. This is a good question that you ask. I mean, it's a wonderful question that you pose. I personally (laughs) don't see Luke Fickle taking the job because it's a West Coast deal, which is super far away from his family. and He's got a big family. Um, His brother actually lives right down the street from my parents currently. Um, You know, they've they've got a big family here in Ohio. Um, Bob Stoops, I think, is interesting because I'm not exactly sure if he's done coaching. Um, and I think he's fine on TV, but I don't know if he's, he he wasn't, he, I don't know if he was, he's not what urban was when urban was doing it. Like urban was fully immersed in it. And I think Stoops is smart. I think he's engaging. I think he's got great delivery. I'm not exactly sure that he's not done with his coaching days. So that's an interesting name. Um, and then Chris Peterson, another guy who is doing some Fox stuff as well. Uh, I guess a a retired coach, if you will. He's got the West Coast connection. He's been there. He's been in that conference. He's been in that part of the United States. He's got a wonderful cachet. Who knows what's going to happen to his longtime D.C. Jimmy Lake up there at Washington because he's stinking it up. Yeah. So maybe he could get the gang back together at USC. <laughs> Who knows? I don't. I don't. I don't think you're wrong by saying that. I really, when I look at that list. For the most part, I feel like there's some good candidates. And why not take a job at USC yeah, if you can handle the pressure, right? I'll, I'll jump on James Franklin for a sec, too. I mean, that's yeah, a, a I'm interested. That folks have tossed around. Mm-hmm. And um, it's interesting 
because some people, Penn State fans, are like super into him, and then there's a faction of Penn State fans that wish he was gone for some reason. And I think that he is a very good coach. Uh, I think some of his shtick is it bothers people a little bit. I also think that folks are bothered by the fact that they haven't been to a college football playoff. Um, you know, they haven't really challenged Ohio State in ways that people right. anticipated. Um, and so it becomes really interesting for him because he could be the man in that conference. Uh, and that's True. not an opportunity that he currently has in the Big Ten, I don't believe. So this, I mean, there's a lot of speculating to do here. I like that perspective because, you know, the Pac-12 right now, I know Oregon, and we'll get to uh, that program in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> I know you don't want to, my friend. Uh, but yeah, it is, it's really a conference for the taking right now, right? to really establish yourself as a program, but a head coach to get your name out there, to get, you know, a program maybe headed in the right direction. And James Franklin, if he has a little bit of an ego at all, maybe that's what he's thinking, right? I could be the man. I could be one of the the top coaches there. But again, we just don't know what, when it comes down to it, these individual guys think and, They've seen what has happened at USC, and there's been a lot of, like, messy situations there as well. So you want to ask yourself, too, is this the right move all around, right? Not only for my coaching career, but for my family, for my sanity. (laughs) Um, That's kind of, like, how you have to look at it. So we'll be keeping you all updated as the weeks go on. But I will say this, Joshua, I am a little bit happy because I've got an interim coach this a weekend and guess who's playing them washington state Ooh. Ooh, baby so we'll see what's going on with that don't even get me started on our head coach that's another story for another day oh, um, roly yeah roly who still can't figure out how to get the vaccination so anyway i'm sure if he went to I a walmart they'd be able right? to take care of him good but. god <laughs> so bringing up the um conversation that I know that you've been not wanting to have again, but the Pac-12, you said it yourself, give the Pac-12 a little bit of credit in the past couple of of weeks, a lot of credit because you had UCLA take down LSU and then you had Oregon go all the way over to Columbus in the shoe and they handed it to the Buckeyes. They did. Um, And Ryan Day said as much, Oregon was in control of that game from start to finish. And I don't know if we've seen Ohio State in that position in a little while, certainly not under Ryan Day, who hadn't lost a regular season matchup in his full tenure at Ohio State. I think uh, 22 regular season games that he won. And so now there's a lot of questions that are being asked about Ohio State. There's, I'll start with some of the, the, more, I guess, innocuous kind of lighter questions of why did you go for it on so many fourth downs if you're Ryan Day, which I don't think was necessarily a bad decision. In the moment, I was all for it. You can question maybe some of the calls on the Mm -hmm. fourth downs. Um, Obviously, you'd like to execute. In hindsight, it's always easy to say, well, you know, if you took the field goals, you probably win the game. But in in the heat of the moment, I'm not trying to get field goals. I'm trying to extend drives and score touchdowns, so I'm for it. Um you get the question about the young quarterback and some people in Columbus, which is wild to me, 
are, you know, clamoring to see who else might be behind Stroud because we haven't seen any of the other quarterbacks in game action because the game said, right. you know, one was close and one you lost. So mm-hmm. you didn't have a chance to play the backups. And to those folks, I would say CJ's 19 years old. Uh, his first time playing games since uh, 2019. Right. Um, you know, it's there's going to be a curve. But the man threw for nearly 500 yards. Yeah. Um, he he had a really good game outside of maybe a couple of decisions where you probably want him to pull the ball down and run. And then in a very untimely interception, that was just a really young decision that he made. Um, I have confidence in Ryan Day to be able to get him corrected up. Yeah. Then there's the penalties. There's like <laughs> seven, eight penalties for 71 yards. Uh, that's losing football. Yes. That, that will literally lose games, especially when it's that close. But the big elephant in the room and the part that just yep. really chaps my ass as a former defensive yep. player is how miserable and miserable, I think, might be even a kind word at the moment. Ohio State's defense looked Absolutely. on Saturday. Um, and, and I know you were probably locked into that game asking some of the same questions yep. I was. But it felt a little bit like Groundhog's Day at times during that game with Oregon hitting the same damn play for three touchdowns. And this is my biggest evaluation of the defense is people have pointed this out. There's not a Chase Young, Nick Bosa, Joey Bosa type of guy on that defensive line. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't necessarily think that's as big of a deal as folks want to make it. And I will also say from an X and O football standpoint, Mm -hmm. they have played two RPO offenses in back-to-back weeks. And in the RPO system, every play is blocked as if it's a run play. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's really hard for the defensive line to get off of the ball and get into pass rush mode mm-hmm. when they feel like they're defending the run every single play. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. And and so it's I, I think that's a part of the difficulty of it. A guy needs to emerge for sure. Sure. But there's also circumstances that come along with that. Uh, big takeaway though, is what I saw was a bunch of guys on the field who did not trust what they were seeing. Yes. And therefore they played slow and they played like they lacked confidence. Um, a lot of people have been having the conversation. I'm going on and on about this, but I got to No, I mean, it's, it's a good, I like (laughs) the breakdown of it. A lot of people have been having this conversation in the social media realm about the defensive scheme, about the system Ohio State runs. It's a single high safety system. And out of that, you run man-to-man and you run three deep coverage. Okay. And in that system, you need athletes. You like to have guys Correct. up front that are athletic, that can get after the quarterback, that can move around and do that deal. You like to have linebackers that can run. You need guys in the back end who can run their ass off. Yep. I believe Ohio State has that level of personnel. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure that the personnel has been developed and coached in a way that they can really make that system shine. Okay. And the reason I say that is in this game, it wasn't the, you know, the ball is going over their head. These guys can't cover people. It was, why are guys not in their run gaps? How come we can't set an edge? Uh, Why are guys reacting slowly to what they're seeing? Uh And I think that's the biggest issue. Somebody pointed out, well, you know, you can't have 
Shaw, who was a middle of the field safety for that game because Josh Proctor is banged up in the middle of the field and try to run that defense. And my response is, they're like, you know, oh, Jordan Fuller. You got to have a guy like that. My response is that Jordan Fuller went to the NFL Combine as a safety and ran a 4-6-7-40. He ran a 4-7-40, essentially, at the Combine. So you can't tell me that the guy who was back there is any worse of an athlete than Jordan Fuller. And I don't say that to disparage Jordan because he's a smart player. He played Mm -hmm. hard, the whole deal. But I say that to say that Jordan Fuller was not a Damon Arnett or or Jeffrey Akuda type athlete. He was just a really good football player. So how can the coaches get their guys to play up to that level? Because it doesn't take a supreme athlete to take a good angle and to understand where he's supposed to be located and to have instincts and to have uh, recognition and to have anticipation. That's where I struggle with this whole ordeal. And so now Kerry Combs and Ryan Day have some serious questions to answer well, in terms of what this defense is going to look like moving forward. Well, that's, I mean, that is my biggest question that in, in honesty, like for you, like, do you feel like this can be changed? Do you have confidence on the defensive side in terms of coaching that this can be fixed? My confidence is lacking right now simply okay. because we saw these same issues okay. last year. Okay. And Ohio State got uh, – it handed to them at times against Rutgers last year. Okay. We saw what happened against Penn State last yeah. year. Uh, we saw what happened, obviously, against Indiana last year. We saw what happened against Alabama last year. Yep. So these are not one-off issues. This is not a rarity. This is becoming more of a trend, and I'm not exactly sure that mm. – they're going to have the answers that they need in the time that they'll need them. And the shame of all of this is there are some really good players on that football field. Sure. And this is an offense that once CJ really gets comfortable is going to be hard to defend. Seriously. Like they put up 600 yards of offense in a losing effort. God. See that. I mean, they, and, and they didn't even run the ball that well. They kind of abandoned the run, and they were still able to move it up and down the field. That's where I start to get frustrated is, like, if you're you're Ohio State's defense and you can get two more stops in that game, two more stops, that game is totally different. Yeah. No, you're exactly right. And there there needs to be frustration. I don't know what the talk is in Columbus right now, but there needs to be. They're real mad in Columbus. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you as a former, you know, Ohio State player on the defensive side of the ball, you know, Clearly, when I covered you guys and I covered the program, I mean, the defense, you always talk about the defense at Ohio State. Sure. Okay. It's a a tradition in history. It is. And they've put a lot of men in the draft. Yes. There's a lot of good players to come to Ohio State and play defense, not just offense. Um, So that is something that I know you guys will have a tune-up game this week. (laughs) I know that's not going to help really figure out anything but well here's what you'll figure out is mm-hmm. if they look poor defensively yeah in a tune-up game i we, think that says it all we got problems real problems yeah so that's something to watch for coming straight from joshua perry who knows a lot about this team uh before we get into this next week i do have to ask you just your opinions on a couple of other games this past week. And you specifically pointed out Iowa, obviously, uh, Iowa and Iowa State this past weekend. 
Um, what stood out to you, Joshua? Well, I'll say this is um, Iowa State's strength as a team is their defense, even with a pretty good quarterback and a good running back. I think this is a, a defensive led team. Um, I think they might have been a little bit overrated coming into the game, but that's what you see in these early matchups is a lot of teams are, you know, they're, they're getting pat on the back for what they did a year ago and just the name recognition and everything else. In saying that, Iowa is a dominant defensive team, might be mm -hmm. the, the, you could put them in the top three defenses in the country conversation with Alabama and Georgia right now. Yep. And I say that with a lot of confidence. I, I, they play, fundamentally sound they play within the scheme they're a patient defense that capitalizes when the opportunity comes mm -hmm. uh, 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 comes around and what they do the best is they take the football away you know they yeah. had a scoop and score yeah off of a fumble and they had uh, a couple of interceptions that were really good um and I, I think that makes all the difference now where i like to pump the brakes on this team and where i think them being ranked number five in the ap is something that they earned by beating two top 20 teams in the first two weeks of the year, but it's still early. And we don't know if Indiana should have been ranked that high to begin with. Same thing with Iowa state. Right. Um, their offense is abysmal. They had like 170 yep. yards of offense. Yep. They, they ran the ball for like 60 yards, God. 60 yards. It's, it is, it's bad. Right. And so here's where I get into conflict a little bit because I respect this Iowa team. And I sure. think their defense is going to keep them in games, especially in the Big Ten West, where I think some of the offenses are rough to watch at times. Yep. Um, I respect them, but this is my conflict, is if we're going to line up a game, and it's Ohio State and Iowa, Ohio State's ranked nine, Iowa's ranked five, but do we think that Iowa goes into that game on a neutral field favored over Ohio State? Ooh. Huh, and, a, and yeah, my answer is probably not. Yeah, probably not. Because that's Ohio State is, is going to be able to move the ball on them. Right. Because they got athletes that can get behind any defense. And o Ohio State's defense is bad. Well, Iowa's offense is bad. That's true. Right? And so yeah. it's going to be strength on strength. Yeah. And I, I think the difference is what Ohio State can do just like getting chunks of yards at, at a time. Um, but that's where I'm in conflict. Like if I'm doing a power ranking right now, I got to lean toward Iowa because they've proven in two weeks what type of team they are and how they're going to win games, and they've done it. Um, but at the same time, I'm not exactly sure that if we were playing this game on neutral field that Iowa's going to win it. Yeah. No, that's a so. good I, – I like that perspective, bringing that up, because if with the way that you laid it all down, yeah, I would definitely say you got to favor Ohio State at this point, you know? And I don't think by a lot. You, no. You know, it might be a, a you know, seven-point touchdown. Sure. Favorite, but you feel like Ohio State's got enough offensive firepower um, to make enough plays that they can overcome their defense playing a bad offense. Yeah, no, I would I would agree with you on that. Uh, there was a game this weekend that I was watching while I was putting together my sports cast, and I was just I had this huge smile on my face, and that was the Arkansas Texas game, and for many reasons. I was thrilled with the outcome. If you guys don't know, the Hogs took down the horns. And mm -hmm. Sam Pittman, y'all probably don't know him, but he was the offensive line coach at Georgia before he became the head coach at Arkansas. Look, 
the dude doesn't look like a head coach. At times, you were just the way he kind of is in front of the media. And he's not a mean dude at all. He just doesn't carry himself sometimes like a head coach. He's a big dude, by the way, too. Yeah, um, he's an old boy, too. He's an old boy. Yes, he is. Um, but he has his players bought in. And I and I watched yeah. it all last season, and I'm watching it this season. And with that win over Texas, I'm like, his players are believing. And this was one of the worst programs in the SEC for the past few years. I mean, the worst. They couldn't buy a win. And Sam no, Pittman has come in there, and he has definitely changed the culture and made this team believe. But on the other side, you have to just wonder – is Texas just continuing to show their irrelevance and now they're entering the SEC here in a couple of years? Yeah, so we've had this conversation year after year, it seems like, doing this show, um, where Texas is ranked, overranked in the preseason, and then they prove to us who they actually are as a program. And um, I, I think this is a case of we probably expected Sark to be able to turn things around a little bit too quickly. Um, And that's not on him. That's on us for having those expectations of Texas, where that was a program that you felt like was not trending. I wouldn't say trending in the wrong direction, but they weren't trending in the right direction either. Um, Very stagnant program. And I don't know if Sark's had enough time to really, you know, change that to what it needs to be. And that's, that's where that's at. Uh, But to your point, you talk about a program trending in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Arkansas's got it. And yeah. I'm a big Pittman fan just Me based too. off of what you said. Like, he coaches ass off. Yeah, he does. And he's he's so old school. Like, he's got this saying in the locker room, like, after a win. He's like, turn on that damn jukebox. And, like, mm-hmm. I love it. I love it. He's going to be himself, right? I mean, he's not trying to adapt 100%, like, to this new generation. But at the same time, it shows – if his players are buying in, he's doing something right, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's Absolutely. not too many offensive line coaches that go on to be head coaches. There just isn't. There's not a lot of no, them. No, you're right. And so it is kind of fun seeing them get those type of victories. And I just, if I'm going to root for any teams in the SEC, I'm going to root for those teams that I feel like are working hard to get wins, not the ones that have just been winning for their whole careers or programs history, or if you're Alabama or Florida or whatever. It's kind of fun watching these lower-tier teams find some success. I so. agree with you. Uh, let's talk about, before we get on to a little preview, let's talk let's about, talk about uh, practice. Yeah, let's talk about practice. Let's talk about <laughs> Michigan real quick. Oh, baby. So here's a team that uh, <laughs> real tenuous, right? Yeah. Coach took a, uh, a pay cut. Buyout situation is favorable. <laughs> For the university and for him if he wants to just dip out of town. Right. And uh, we saw them in Western in week one, and it looked like a fun offense to play in. And a defense that has athletes that were playing with their hair on fire, they look good. Uh, And then week two, they get Washington, which was supposed to be a top 20 matchup or whatever the case was, right? Um, And Washington crapped the bed in week (laughs) one. And uh, so the shine was off of that game but it was a night game Yeah, and people were watching it and yeah. Michigan defensively. And, and let me put the caveat on this that Washington's offense. Um, Oof. Like how many times are you going to try to run 
into the A or B gap uh, and getting your ass knocked off before you right? say, okay, we can't do that anymore. Like, not a good team offensively at all. No. Um, but Michigan dominated them. They handled them the way you should handle a team yeah. that's bad on offense. Yeah. They looked really good. Their athletes shine. The players who were supposed to play well played well. They didn't make a ton of mistakes. Um, so you give them a ton of credit for that. Offensively, they decided that they were just going to run the damn football. You know, they yeah. ran it for 370 yards or whatever yeah. the case was. Um, and so I think there's a lot of buzz now about what this Michigan program can be. And unlike a lot of teams in the Big Ten, Michigan has not had that marquee matchup yet. They haven't nope. had that uh, conference matchup early on. They haven't had really that, that marquee out-of-conference matchup against a good team. And so they put themselves in a position to build into what they want to be uh, as they head into Big Ten play. My singular question about that team is, you going to throw for four, 44 yards every game? Is, is that how you're going to win games, throwing for 44 yards? Because that's what they did against Washington. Right. So that's my only question right now is like they've, they've made a point of running the football. They did against Western. They did against Washington. That's really good. They're going to be a tough team on the ground. Can you throw it? Can you spin the rock is my big right. question right now. And that's always the question that I feel like we have since Jim Harbaugh has been there with just being able to, you know, he was a quarterback. He's supposed to be elevating or help to elevate these quarterbacks game games because that's what he did that's what he should be the best at um and it's going to take more than just having a run game in my opinion to mm -hmm. get past some of these good teams in including a team like ohio state is is this the year that you feel like michigan could could test ohio state i mean what uh, what kind of test are we talking like they're going to test like them or they going to beat them like win, like beat them. Uh, yeah, I Is can't too, get that far. Too early? Okay. I think Ohio State's okay. got their number every single year. You and, heard it first, folks. You know, it, this is this is my thing. When you get into these rivalry games, I think you throw all the trends out, and I think you throw all the weaknesses out. Um, I don't know if if as good as Michigan's defenses look, they haven't faced a team that has a right. Jahan Dotson or a, Ron, uh, uh, excuse me, a David Bell or a Rakim Jarrett or a Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson type player yet. Let's remind everybody too, that Washington lost to Montana. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. They're Again, not a good football team. No, they're not. Okay. It, it's not the Washington that we saw a couple years ago. It just, it, it isn't. Um, I don't know what Jimmy Lake's doing there. I don't know how long he'll be there, but it's something where I'm not completely convinced on Michigan yet. Sorry, just not. Yeah, I'm. You know, I'm. I'm still a little bit in wait and see. But from what I've seen so far, I like the direction. Okay. Well, we'll keep discussing this. You know, we we love to talk some Michigan, usually negative on this podcast, but we'll see what happens. <laughs> so moving <laughs> moving forward to week three, my friend. There's some. Not great matchups, but there's a couple good ones. We're still in that time of the year where we're not fully into conference play. Like you have a couple conference um, like teams that are going head to head. Alabama and Florida play this week, but I'm looking forward to that Auburn Penn State game. It's going to be a good one. Um, yeah, Auburn's coming in ranked what 21 or something like that. Let me double check. And 
Penn State is, I think, sitting right outside of the top 10 at like 12. Auburn's 22, Penn State's okay. 10. Oh, they're 10. Yeah. Okay, there we go. Excuse me. That, that might change this week because when we record our podcast, the uh, recent college rankings haven't come out. So we will see exactly what Penn State is. Yeah. Uh, they've got it at home. It's going to be a whiteout, so that works in their favor. Yeah. Auburn's got athletes. And yes. that is just the truth. And so this is going to be the, the litmus test for Penn State. If they can pull off a, a convincing win in this one, there might be a little bit of a conversation about who is really the king of the East. I know. I this, mean, this is going to be fun. Well, and I'm just – I'm interested to see – I feel like we do not get these type of matchups usually that, I mean, ever, it, especially just before the the conference schedule starts, like having something like Penn State and Auburn. Um, no. I'm just like, wow, definitely, this is different. Definitely not in the North. It's usually no, a neutral field. Absolutely. And I, I am curious because from what we've seen early on from Bo Nix, Auburn's quarterback, he's done a little bit of growing up. He looks to be more comfortable. So, I'll be interested to see him against a real team because they have not played any real teams. No, so, they, they had Wisconsin, who is bad. Yeah, I, it, it's one of those things where, like, let's see this kind of a test. Yep. Okay, this is also one I'm going to throw at you. You probably didn't watch this game. It was really late on Saturday. But I actually stayed up and watched the BYU-Utah game, and hmm. it was actually really good. And yeah, so I, I, I was like, I was really shocked. I mean, it was at BYU. It was a great, it yes. was a great atmosphere too. But the, yes. I mean, they, they took the Utes down. They did. And I, I didn't watch the entirety of the game. I caught the end of it. Okay. Cause I was still working. Okay. Um, big win though. This big. is huge for BYU. Yeah. And so it's exciting. I mean, this is what college football is really about. You get a rivalry game and um, you know, it's a, a series that BYU has not had a ton of success in lately too. Yeah, um, they haven't won in a You could see all of the emotion. It was oh, just wonderful. It was crazy. Like, after the game, they stormed the field. But, like, even the coach, like, BYU's coach was just – I he was cra- He was going crazy. It was so fun to watch because they haven't – I don't know the, the exact amount of years, but it has been a long time since the Cougars have taken down the Utes. So that was a big mm-hmm. win, especially because Utah was supposed to be one of the favorites in the Pac-12 this year. Um, but BYU is actually playing Arizona State in the late game. Um, Pac-12 After Dark. So I'm actually curious to to see that game. What are you laughing about? After Dark. After Dark. Is that still a thing? I'm just creating it. I'm making it a thing. No, it's still a thing. It's it's, I don't know why it's a thing. I know. It it almost sounds like not appropriate for anybody to be watching. But Yeah, well. (laughs) It is football. Trust us. Um, Any more that you're looking forward to? Nope. Go through the slate here. Those are kind of the ones that that point that that I pointed out, I think we're looking forward to, but yeah, should be a fun weekend. Um, you're back at this, what, back in Chicago this week doing the studio shows. I am. Well, you have fun, my friend. I'm sorry that you couldn't be at the Ohio state game, but now that I think about it, you probably didn't want to be so. (laughs) Right. I was totally fine in, uh, totally fine in Chicago this weekend. Well, we appreciate you all tuning in each and every week for Press Pass. Of course, you can go subscribe on where you get to your podcast. Apple Podcasts is uh, where we go to get ours. We're going to go to follow you 
on the Twitter sphere. You can follow me, Twitter and Instagram. Also yes. Ticker TikTok. At RIP underscore JEP. TikTok. Don't forget about that for all you g- new generations. You guys actually do that TikTok thing. I got to learn. For the I feel like I'd be really good at it. You should do it. <laughs> I mean, that I'm was, really coordinated, the, the so I can do a lot of the dance stuff. That's the thing. It right? Was, it was made for somebody like you. Yeah, I got to get on that. I need to quit being lazy. Um, you can go follow me at Kaylee Anderson TV and enjoy another great weekend of college football. We'll be back here to give our opinions, you know, give some crap to the teams that we always give crap to. The huge next week. Take care.